get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, you know I love that sound, that song, this moment, and it is the SOC MMA style fresh off a UFC Las Vegas card. Many news from here and abroad to get into across the MMA landscape. This is your boy BC, the Brian Campbell. But of course, I am joined by one man who has held UFC gold, who has visited the Hall of Fame and put on the jacket, who has survived the earthquake and then some. He is 40. He's a man. He has abs. It's Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, Sugar Rashad, how is it in the South? It's going pretty good in the South, man. Going pretty good. Uh, weather's beautiful as always. Um, yep, yep. Going to the beach, you know, and enjoying life, man. But uh, life is pretty uh, smooth here in South Florida. Swimsuit season abroad? Yes. <laughs> A lot of that. A lot of that. <laughs> A lot of that indeed. All right. Uh, you know, good time to be alive. Good time. I don't know where this COVID's going, to be honest with you, Rashad. I was hoping we'd be back in full arenas pretty soon. But if you watch the news lately, it's like, yeah, yeah. I know you're not a, a noted epidemiologist, if you will. But uh, you got any uh, projections, any, any optimism you can give us here? I wish I had optimism. I wish I did. Uh, but like I was saying, remember how we were talking and I said it'd be about a year or so before we get back into uh, any kind of place where they might be have, considering uh, having people in the arena? And I think that might be true. You know, there's still a lot that needs to be understood about uh, this coronavirus and, and, and ways they can, you know, find a way to return back to normal living and, uh, you know, still still have the things going as far as sports. But it's... Uh, it's tough, man. It's really tough because, you know, as, as an athlete, you know, you're, you're, you're put in this position where you want to compete, but at the same time, you know, everything around it is kind of pulling you away from competing just from a life standpoint, you know? Yeah, it's, it's wild. I, I have a lot, you know, I've been sort of split on the whole, where do I stand with Uncle Dana during the, you know, his aggression to get the fights back and the fighter pay and all that. But you look at, you know, Major League Baseball can't seem to come to terms, you know, with their Players Association to come back. NBA is kind of treading water. Uh, UFC may continue to be the only game in town for some time. And I am thankful for that, Rashad, that there are people who are saying, uh, fight me. I didn't come here to do no challenges. I came here to fight. Put me in a ring. Fight me. Well, luckily, we got a lot of those people right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what, BC, here's the thing about it. Like uh, Dana, Dana has said it before, you know, this is the, the opportunity for fighters to make the money that they can right now because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, if, if it so happens that the economy shuts down where it did a few months ago where there's nothing happening at all, then you're going to be lucky that you banked in a couple of fights where you have something in your savings, savings account. So, you know, I, I can understand wanting to put on fights from that standpoint because it's just so much uncertainty of what tomorrow brings. Yeah, to see boxing back top rank on ESPN, those have been some yeesh cards. Not good matchmaking going on there. No money in the bank. Uh, we got Fight Island coming. We got a lot of things to look forward to. As always, the SOC in your ear hole providing that preview, review, reaction, analysis, interviews. We will, of course, later this week have not only, not only a preview of this weekend's uh, very good, very deep UFC fight night card from Vegas Headlined by heavyweights, 
uh, what, who, what's the guy's Curtis name? Blades. Uh, Curtis, Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades. And, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, and the other guy that Derek Lewis sent to hell. No, uh, and, and Alexander <laughs> Volkov. Uh, uh, but we will also have a chat with Mr. Blades himself. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to get back in the booth and do a little story time with Rashad. Chapter 3, the first Tito fight. Tattoo on T2. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Take that, Tito. All right. Uh, looking to get into that for sure. Uh, after the break, they'll be right back uh, recapping. What was an interesting card on Saturday? They said coming in, this may be the worst of the lot. I was entertained. We'll see what happened. It was a night for women's flyweights and more right after this. And we're back. BC Sugar Rashad Evans coming at you with the SOC. We're going to look back here, Rashad, at UF. They were calling it UFC Vegas, too. I don't know what the heck to call it. Inside the Apex Center, fight night season continuing. And we had women's featherweights in the main event. And I think in a very good way, Rashad, this whole night seemed to be about a division that could really use some more life when we continue, when we consider it's the great Valentina Shevchenko and everyone else. And unfortunately, I'm going to be honest here, I'm going to be blunt, Rashad. For the most part, those everyone else, the Jessica Eyes of the world, the Caitlin Chukagians, good fighters. I don't consider people that I could ever find a pathway to victory in a title fight over an elite fighter, though. That's me being hypercritical here. But to come out of this night on Saturday now with two new pieces of fresh blood, maybe one short-term title contender, maybe one long-term one, I was excited. We saw in the main event Jessica I, the number one contender, falling over five rounds to Cynthia Calvillo via unanimous decision, especially rounds two through five. I thought it was all Cynthia all the time, Rashad. What stood out to you for a fighter who'd impressed us at strawweight but was officially putting on the big girl pants and moving up a division and to come away with that clean of victory? Well, what got me with Cynthia was just her strength. You know, going up a weight class, going against a tougher fighter, uh, I guess a stronger fighter, a bigger fighter, and Jessica I, and being able to put together the wrestling combinations. And I say combinations because it wasn't just one shot that got her down. It was the consecutive chain wrestling that was able to secure the takedown and Jessica I, because Jessica is a wrestler and has a wrestler background from Ohio. But, you know, there's a difference between stopping that initial shot and then being able to chain wrestle. Once you start to chain wrestle, then that means you're in there with somebody who knows how to wrestle efficiently. And that's when you're seeing Jessica I a little bit overhead. And those are the positions that I thought Calvia did really good on. Ground and pound was really good. And she showed some of that great AKA prowess that they do with their grappling and their combination with their ground and pound. And I think that was the biggest difference that I've seen in her great game is just the attention to the, the half guard ground and pound position and really didn't scramble too much to get out of that position, but just held the ground in that position like you've seen uh, like old Kane used to do, stand in half ground position, half guard position, just rain down some shots. And I think that's very effective for her because that wash and repeat cycle that she has and she did with Jessica I, it is a formula that could give Shevchenko some problems who we have don- who we've seen dominate with the stand-up, but we have not seen her go through that process of up and down. And we, does not, we do not know what that's going to do with her striking gas tank once she gets back up to her feet. Yeah, absolutely. And Calvillo was offered an opportunity here to really show us, you know, not only can she compete in this weight class against some of the best, but look, it's like we mentioned, it's a shallow weight class. You're always one, uh, two wins, maybe even one really good one from being like right there as new fresh blood for the champion to face. So there were sort of heightened pressures and expectations. She had to not just prove she's a 125er, 
She had to show us a reason to believe we want to see her against Valentina. So to see her come in, Rashad, as you mentioned, you, you know, it may, it may not have been the most exciting fight when they were on the feet, but she was, after the first round of getting accustomed to what I had, she was able to get the fight on her own terms. Those timely takedowns were so key. The ability to just keep eye down. There were two of those rounds basically ended the second Calvillo got an early takedown and just, you know, if I was going to make a mistake, Calvillo was going to have the motor and the intention to, to try to get a finish there. Uh, all things considered, five-round stamina for the first time. I came out of there like, okay, maybe I feel like I know Cynthia's ceiling. Yeah. But, but I feel that she's quasi-elite in enough categories where, you know, uh, Caitlin Chukagan called her out afterwards. I don't know if that's the next fight for the division. But if it is... I'm going to go in there believing that Cynthia can outwork her, that Cynthia is a little bit more dynamic. And that's largely been the problem with this division to me, Rashad, is that there's like some solid fighters. There's not plus, next level, dynamic fighters. And, I mean, maybe that's just the reality of this weight class. It's kind of an in-between one. You know, it's, it's new. There haven't been a crop of girls that are this natural weight that have come up and sort of found their, their groove. And, oh, by the way, the champion of the division like might be a Hall of Famer, might, might be one of the best we've ever seen. But uh, shout-out to Cynthia for doing what she had to do and, and kind of, you know, keeping you excited at her future prospects. Unfortunately for Jessica I, and I feel the need to say this, Rashad, because I've always been an I fan. Evil yeah, Lie, yeah. great interview. She's fun. She's funny. She's wild. She has a really bad, uh, I want to say bad, a really uh, rough backstory that she's very open about sharing. But it's always one step forward, two steps back with her, Rashad. She misses weight again, only by a quarter pound, but can't get off the scale on her own power. Cynthia's can, uh, accusing her of holding on to the towel, DC style. Um <laughs> You know, I hope that's not the, the, the high point now for Jessica. Like, it's going to be all downhill from here. But, you know, at 33, this wasn't the performance she wanted. She never was able to really uh, take the lead in the fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. dictate it, do anything. Uh, tough night at the office, you know? It, re it really was. And, and you know, uh, poor Jessica, I, I knew that she was, was done for when I seen her after she missed weight in the weigh-ins, you know, just emotionally stricken. And, and I can understand that for the most part when you – put so much dedication on the line and you don't make the weight and you feel like you let everyone down, there is a big emotional disappointment. But at the same time, you have to be able to shake that feeling off to be able to put your mindset to be able to perform the next day. And I, you know, I don't know if, if she was able to shake that off or the simple fact that she cut so much and got down. See, it almost would have been better if she just would have missed weight at a higher percentage, maybe like one pound, because now what she does is she, she's, she, she cut into her gas tank for the next day. You know, getting, getting to be a quarter over means that she depleted her body all the way down to where she couldn't go no more. So that means that, that, means that the next day she didn't have the, the attrition to go with the, for the wrestling and all the stuff that, that Calvillo was going to do with the chain wrestling and the, and the, and the heavy uh, grappling dominance game. You know, when, when you cut weight at such a high level, your legs are the first to go and your lactic acid in your legs does not allow you uh, to be able to get up and get down from being taken down. No, you nailed that right there. And to hear her on our pod last week, be so confident and say, you know, I have the best training camp ever in my garage and I'm going to be so ripped. You know, I can't wait to hear the people saying that I'm on PEDs or something. And, uh, you know, it just, it didn't happen for her. But I yeah. mentioned this card, Rashad, was great for the women's flyweight division, right? because you came out of there with, with new contenders, new storylines. Tell me if I'm going too far here. I saw something in Maria 
Agapova, right? Oh my gosh, the, I got the same excitement. I got the you same reminds excitement. me of a West Side Story right there. Oh, here's the deal, Rashad. The 23-year-old <laughs> Kazakh lost three fights ago in her Dana White Contender Series opportunity. Admits, I lost. I wasn't the better woman on that night. But stayed in the U.S., got hooked up with ATT, moved her life to South Florida, and grinded, went to Invicta, stayed busy. Um, when I say I saw something, Saw it in Conor McGregor's early rise. Saw it in Strike Force version of Ronda Rousey. Where, look, I don't know if these people are future champions and Hall of Famers, but there's an it factor. There's a hey, their ceiling might be a lot further away than we could recognize right now. And there's a swag factor. Maria mm-hmm. Agapova, Ag- Agapova, Agapova. However, you want to go with that, Rashad. Uh, has a little young, young J-Tech swag, but just has her own <laughs> rhythm to her yeah. southpaw style to get that submission, to be a dog in there. Look, Hannah Cypher's coming off a bad loss to Mackenzie Dern like two weeks ago, basically. I mean, she's not a, a, a world beater. I'm not saying tomorrow let's put her in there with Val- Valentina, but wherever Maria's going moving forward, I'm going to be there, Rashad. I'm going to be right there. Listen, I, I feel you on all of that hype and all of that excitement. When I was watching this, when I was watching her compete, I'm just like, man, she reminded me of if Vanderlei Silva and and Joanna Young Jacek just got together and had a love child. That would be her. That would be her. She moves like a lot like Vanderlei Silva with the aggression, but at the same time has that demeanor of a Joanna. And you just seen her right before the fight. Just that caginess, that patience, like she just cannot wait to perform her art. And I looked at her and I'm like, you know what? She is somebody that can definitely do something in this weight class because she has she has range, she has size, she has attitude, and she has it. You know, I, I truly, truly believe uh, this girl can definitely do something. And, uh, you know, like you said, this is the division that truly, truly needs it. And... Um, in a division that's been short of contenders, we're born with two of them. And then the second one you speak of, I mean, she is phenomenal. You know, and we still obviously have uh, Macy Barber, if she can turn it around off the loss to Montefiore. So there are a couple younger names that you can yeah. look to, but, but there's not a lot. So, you know, Cynthia, your short-term Valentina contender. Maria, more of your long-term. And I love the comparisons to Vanderlei. I love finding out as she comes in there draped in the Kazakh flag that she studies the boxing of Triple G because there's a comparative demeanor there where Triple G inside the ring is a freaking killer, but outside is like goofy, good boy stuff. It's like, oh, he'll, he'll, he'll. I respect box. I respect everybody. (laughs) Everybody. Athletes. Yeah, yeah, athletes. It's like it's a big gift to people. Yeah, my Mexican style. And I saw that goofiness with her in the yeah. interview. Just so happy to be there. King Mo, friend of the program, was uh, very excited posting videos and pictures of her from the training yeah. he's done with her at ATT. Buying stock right now, Rashad. Tell me, give me a reason not to. Come on. I mean, listen, listen, listen. We all know that still waters run deep in Hannah Cyphers, but. Stillwaters didn't run deep enough. She didn't run deep enough, and, and she got ran through in a bad way because, listen, this, this Maria is, is somebody who I – I mean, she, she's, she's working alongside with Joanna, and, and Joanna Champion has that champion mindset. She's climbed to the top. She's, she, she's, she's fallen to the bottom, and she's back at the top again. So she has that, that understanding, that knowledge that she can help this young fighter 
get to where she needs to without having to suffer some of the same things that Joanna had to. And, and that's the perfect place you want to put a talent like this at an ATT. Boogie Woman is coming. And she doesn't know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what's coming. I mean, just this is, you know, we've, we've had a debate lately between the super group, the super teams, the ATTs, where, let's be honest, for somebody like Maria, she has access to Amanda Nunes, Nina Ansarov, Young J check, uh, you know, you got who else? The Kayla Harris. I mean, there is like a killer list of top female talent there, mixed with the well. Maybe I go with you know, Coach Whitman. Maybe I go with one coach and in one one person at a time. I mean, there's there's a couple different ways to do it. She seems to be somebody who's growing. I'm excited about that. Uh, Rashad, anyone else on the card jump out to you? Because uh, I'm going to offer the fella. The, the Italian stallion, Marvin yeah, Corey, yeah, finally getting his comeuppance against Carl Robertson. And uh, I saw, you know, more than just angry guy gets knocked out. I saw a guy who had to use some wrestling, some submission game, and he comes out of there where I'm like, I'm not convinced he's not a top six or seven middleweight in the world. I, I tell you what, he showed me a lot. And, um, you know, I used to train with Carl, so I know how tough Carl is and what he did to Carl was absolutely amazing. I mean, just just his ability to um, scramble and, and, and understand how to always get in the advantageous position after the scrambling is, is something that you really can't teach. Is you, a guy really has to have a nose for the scrambling ability, and guy has to have a lot of time on the mat to understand where the human body is going to be. So he has an understanding, and, and, and that's something that you really don't see – in, in the in the middleweight weight class, you don't see guys with that disability to scramble like this and, and move at such a high pace and and get to the positions that he he needs to to beat his opponent. And that's what you've seen a lot with um in, in a fight with Carl. Now Carl, you know, coming in heavy once again, having a hard time making that middleweight uh weight class. He did show that he was able to initiate some wrestling. He did have some good takedown defense and he did have some good takedowns. But when it came down to it, you just seen the same thing. Uh, just didn't have it in the gas tank to go with the, the, the wrestling um, scramble and stuff like that. Cause he cut so much weight before, but honestly speaking, I don't even know if he would have been able to pass that test had he not cut that weight. Cause Vittori was just all over him with position after position and all these different submission attacks. Yeah, he showed me a lot. You know, he like he's the rare fighter, Rashad, who seems to really fight off of emotion. Like it fuels him. You know, he almost wants a an angry beef with somebody. Well, he certainly got it with the soap opera of the missing weight here against Carl. But um, I felt he he channeled that the right way, right? Where he yeah. where it didn't make him all strike all the time and leave himself open to danger or gas out. He's like, you know, it's weird. He's had a lot of things outside of his control. A lot of fights get canceled that's not his fault that has really built a, a, a callus that you know now when he goes in there he's like i gotta be fighting a top 10 next i almost want to counter and go how about a top five how about we find out right, right. now who marvin Vittori is? and i only say that because we have footage of him and the current champ israel adesanya split decision fight kind of could have gone either way i mean look i liked adesanya there but i like that Vittori's not hanging on that saying like izzy you know you know you robbed me. You know I beat you. He's like, look, right. the fight was great. You guys could judge who won. But we got to do it again because there was enough footage in that fight to show you that I belong here. I think it's weird where, let's say Marvin gets the split decision there, Rashad, in that fight a couple years back, right? I'm not saying he gets the same opportunities or results that followed with, with Izzy because Adesanya is a special fighter. He's a special, like, you know, he has, you know, 
He has like all time potential. We know that he's right. a special dude. Okay. But you could ask yourself, would, would it Adesanya be the here right now? Had he lost that split decision fight? Probably not. So your fortunes can go just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never going to know until Vittori gets in the deep end of that pool against a truly elite who can make him find out plans B, C, or D. But that's why I kind of want to find out right now because uh, it, it's – I don't know. This, this division's not not insanely deep at the moment. So it, it may not be a long path to the top for him if he can keep winning because when you have that built-in storyline, it helped Dan Henderson get a title shot at 46, right? If you got that storyline, they'll cash right. that in for you. I mean, yeah, and you you talk about a dark horse. You know, we talk about dark horses in other divisions. I think he's definitely shown that he's definitely a dark horse in the 185 division. And, and honestly speaking, in a division where, you know, you struggle for, you know, star power as of late, you know, some of the, the, the top uh, 185 pounders, you know, not able to be active and stuff like that. So, you know, he does stand out in the minds of um, of contenders that should definitely be considered, uh, considered for you know, fighting for top positions to be, uh, you know, in line to fight in Israel. And listen, he lost that fight, but I think it was probably better for him to lose that fight than him to win that fight because his game and his style is one that takes a little bit more maturing because of the fact that it is a physical game and, and, it, and it has, you know, a lot of grappling components and with heavy power striking. And if he learns how to marry that combinations correctly, like he did against Carl and, and, and really work that, that fine line between striking just enough and working his takedowns and ground to pound, then he can be a force at the 185 division who doesn't really have a true athlete that encompasses all those abilities very well. Uh, 26 years old only. So that's pretty wild. Three-fight win streak going to be interesting to see. I thought another fighter who made a positive leap forward was was our guy Andre Touchy-Feely in the featherweight oh, yeah. division. Close fight with Air Jordan. Split decision. Was, listen, you talk about guys I was impressed with. I know Feely got the win. I know Feely got the win. But can I get a shot for Jordan? Man, listen, this dude, this dude brought it. And, and look, I was looking at Jordan before the fight, and I was watching him. And sometimes you look at a guy and you're like, nah, he's not a fighter. You know what I'm saying? But, wow, this dude is pretty dope. His kicks were amazing. And his gameness, he never lost his gameness. He never cowered down, even when he was getting caught and outstruck. Just the back-and-forth action between both of these fighters it, it um, they were so equally matched. It was fun to watch. I almost wish it was two more rounds just so I could have a yeah. clear, concise winner of who won. Because it looked like Jordan uh, could have came on a little bit more. And even after the fight was over, he was such a, a a great professional about it. He knew he lost the fight, but at the same time, it was so close. He could have made an argument to say that he won it. You know what I'm saying? But it just well, shows that his mentality yes. is is on the level. You know. I'm glad you shouted him out because if Jordan wasn't that tough, I don't think this would have been as uh, positive overall an experience that Feely needed. He needed to be pushed. He needed to show you that there's more to great tattoos and the ability to to knock out people cold and to act in uh, Uncle Faber's uh, weed movie, which, hey, he had a great run. <laughs> Check it out, Green Rush. It's streaming today. Uh, but uh, Jordan pushed him. Feely passed the test. What I loved, Rashad is that he's narrowing in on 30. He will turn 30 uh, later this month, June 25th. And he had a nice little promo there. Uh, Don't call me a regular UFC fighter. I'm no regular UFC fighter. I belong with the elites. I'm mature now. I'm, you know, I'm a man. Come after me. I'm going to be 30. Uh, 
yeah, I, I like this this version of him, the, this this philosophy here. It is time to push this guy against the very best in a very good division. I don't know, Rashad. The jury's still a little bit out in terms of can this guy be a legitimate title contender? It's in him. It's always been in him, Rashad. Slowly, he's letting it out. So this is good. So it's going to be a process, but I think we can get there. I think we can get there. I think we can too, because I think I think his sack is starting to drop a little bit. I think he's become like he, he he's he's maturing a bit. He's maturing a bit. You know what I'm saying? He's he's growing into his own. And and for the most part, he's always had a talent. But what we're seeing now is the belief come about. He's believing in himself more and more. And you've seen it in that fight. You know, um, there were times in a fight where, as a favorite, you could have got he could have given into the frustration and and, and gotten beat, but. He remembered throughout the fight, no matter how many times Jordan came back with something clever or a counter-strike, he remembered that he was the top dog. He remembered that he was supposed to win the fight. And it was that posture that showed in the judges' eyes that he was winning the fight because a lot of times he was moving forward, but it looked like Jordan was kind of hitting him, but it was the pressure and the, and the, and the, and the confidence that you've seen uh, Feely had that showed a different uh, something different to the judges. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other people I wanted to shout out here. Well, actually, a couple people. Let me shout out first, Marab. I'm, I'm never going to know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. He took on a latecomer in Gustavo Lopez. And look, you know, Lopez was in a tough spot coming directly from Combate. I know he was a champion there. But, you know, Gustavo fought his ass off. He, he, he filled the role that he needed to fight to give Marab some opposition. But you talk about this man's future at 135 davashili da vinci marab is a stereotypical georgian assassin who gets in that ass rashad he gets in the a he sits in that gap in the a-frame right between there and makes it his home he will break a man's will and soul in there i need to see so much more of this guy Four straight wins. He sort of ironed out whatever happened when he made his UFC debut, dropped a couple fights. Uh, this guy jumped out to me as the next great uh, evil foreign villain in this, in this fight promotion. Yeah, and, and you know what? And that's what you need sometimes, BC. You need to take that road where you sputter a little bit, and then you start to feel yourself, and then you start to you know, get into your game. And that's what we've seen here. You know, w- whenever you have to take that, that long road and work on your path, you come back way stronger. And listen, sky's the limit for somebody who can do that. And he showed he showed uh, on Saturday, that's what you need to do. So I like it. And especially in the abandoned weight division that's heating up, we just got more talent. Like, like this 135 division is starting to look a little bit like that 155 division yes, you know, as far did. as the competitiveness. I mean, could you, you could, I mean, it's early for, even with four wins in a row, all by decision, but grind them out wins. It's still very early for him to move up and face big names. But any of those fringe guys, even at Bantamweight, it's so deep. I'd love to see all of them against him. I made the, you know, evil foreigner joke, which really isn't true. You hear him on the mic. He's hilarious. He's gracious. He's shouting out Coach Longo, Coach Sarah. Uh, you know, he moved his life to, to Long Island and joined that team. Uh, there's just that motor, that, that, grimy wrestling style he's got a mind for submissions too uh i love it i love it when 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 you got a tank in there when you got a a dump truck looking to drop on you yeah and then you also you also train along the sides of al joe and all those guys at a camp and it just can, continues to bring that synergy you know when i was at my absolute best of competing it was when i had my my binary star 
to say the least in my weight class is Keith Jardine. You know what I'm saying? And, and he was able to be that person that helped me get to my highest level because we would push each other. And, and, and it was like, he'll have one fight with one guy, then I will have a fight with that same guy a couple fights later and vice versa. But it was, it was us coming together and us pushing together that made us both uh, good. You also shared camp with a young John Jones in your division. Young John Jones, uh, yeah. I'm sure you, there's probably a story or two of you, <laughs> of you whooping on a young John Jones, right? Oh, just, yeah, yeah. Just I, get him in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, when, when he was a puppy, when he was a pup, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to get John Jones on here one time and ask him about that booty call during the Albuquerque pullover. I know, nobody wants to talk, but, <laughs> but who's Honey Boo Boo? Who's, who's Honey Boo Boo calling you at 4 a.m., all right? Honey Maybe Boo-Boo. that's his life nickname. Right. All right. Uh, Rashad, who impressed you more on the undercard from the standpoint of getting knockouts that dropped your jaw? Was it Tyson Nam in that catchweight bout at 138.5 against Adashev? Or was it women's bantamweight Julia Avila? Wake up and smell her coffee, which she did to Gina Manzani running all over her. Who, who, got, who, who tickled you around the rim a little bit there, Rashad? I, I like both of them. I mean, Nam had me a little, little excited, but I got to go with the woman because you just don't really see that kind of, you know what I'm saying? You don't really see that. It's an anomaly when you see, not an anomaly, but it, it's a treat when you get to see a knockout in a women's division like that. So I, I got to go with the woman. Uh, and, you know, this is a, another lonely division since Amanda has taken over as the 35 queen since she's essentially ran the great contenders into the ground there. Uh, you know, we don't have – we don't got a lot of a lot of long-term weights to look forward to. So love it when we see somebody like Alvia get a big win there. Irene Ald- Aldera, who had a nice win recently. Um, there's still, you know, some of the older retreads here in the top ten at Bantamweight. Uh, more to come, by the way, on Amanda Nunes. She had an interesting interview that we will get to regarding her future. So, Rashad, I think that puts the, the, uh, the cap on UFC – Vegas fight night. We'll be, of course, later this week previewing this Saturday's card, which uh sneaky good, sneaky good card, Rashad. Not just Volkov against Blades at the top, but uh a lot of interesting bangers in there. You know, Emmett getting in there. Uh, mm. We got we got Rocky Penny. We got both Rocky and Tisha on the same card. Oh, he, man. Got, the tornado might be fighting for her job. That's four losses in a row there, Rashad. Yeah. Right. All right, they don't match you. Uh, they don't match you weak here. All right, let's check out the headlines here. Couple recent fights got announced. Rashad, first of all, I don't know how much, how deep we did respond to to, to Fight Island, July eleventh. The three title fights atop there. Um, I again, I gotta stand and applaud. Like they brought it, Rashad. That's International Fight Week. We're used to a big ass card during the quarantine, during the we don't pay fighters enough era, during the no live gate era. As much as I'm not necessarily jump for joy that there's this bait and switch element of Fight Island, right? It's not like it's not going to be on Easter Island at the edge of the water with like monuments around it and got tiki torches. No, it's friggin' Abu Dhabi. But even though I don't have proof of this, would you back my belief that it kind of needs to be there because it's an international location that they're giving UFC a large site fee, most likely. How are you going to pay for three championship fights on one card unless you're getting that site fee without a live gate? So it's like a necessary evil right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, what, what, the, um, what, they, what they would do for them at the UAE is, uh, you know, they, they would definitely accommodate them. And, uh, and I said before, with their relationship with, um, with, with Shakhtar Noon, the, the guy, and his brother is the one who runs the country. So, uh, yeah, they definitely have the ability to get, um, you know, 
free hookup, well, not free hookup, but a hookup, I should say, well, to say the least. Know, Rashad, we always groan as fight fans and journalists when there's a big fight we're excited about, you know, as Americans, and then we hear, oh, they're going to put that in this random country. Oh, Manny Pacquiao's going to Macau, and we got to watch it in the afternoon. You know, like, why, why? And I think some of that is like, Maybe nationalism. Maybe some of it is, you know, I want to. I want to go to it. Maybe some of it is, uh, I don't want it in that evil potential place. And look, there's 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 different foreign suitors of all types of repute, right? You know, right? There, there's a, there's morally sound ones, and there's certainly questionable ones. But um, I think when you look ahead for the rest of this calendar year and the un the unknown about COVID, uh, we've never needed these rich bankrollers more. We've never needed these. Uh, you know, every once in a while you hear. Uh, somebody got offered some stupid money to go to the Middle East and fight a boxing match. Uh, we need to find that stupid money now because right. even though Dana White's figuring out a way with smoke and mirrors to give us really good shit moving forward in boxing, you're not hearing any rumors about good fights, Rashad, because there, no, there ain't no money going around right now. There ain't no free money going around. People don't like working together. Uh, I, I get that there's this big scandal chasing that Irish dude that uh, that manages Tyson Fury, Daniel Kinahan, this reputed uh, you know drug lord, and how is he involved in these negotiations? Look, if you think this is the first blood money that has ever fueled a blood sport in, in MMA or boxing, like wake the heck up. I, I, I'm sort of just like at this point, we want our sports to continue. You got to just know, like people got to do what they got to do right now, Rashad. And I hope they do because I don't know how much longer, you know, some of these boxing promoters can last unless they can start giving us what we really want. Yeah. And I think, you know, hats off to the UFC for being able to find a way to get it done because with, with all the new stipulations that they have to go through, uh, with preparing everybody for the COVID-19 and all the, um, you know, the, the, the flights and not only flights, just, just the whole buying of the hotel and making sure that every fighter is quarantined the proper way and no cross-contamination, everything else like that. That's a huge financial nut and that's a huge, uh, it's just a huge responsibility. So if they can have a place like the UAE or some place that's going to help them and be able to facilitate and help them make it a little bit easier for them to handle the load, then that, that's perfect. You know, that's a perfect system to align themselves with. And, um, you know, the, 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 that area over there, you know, I, I think it, it's something that, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's an untapped, it's, it's, it's untapped when it comes to uh, being able to show what they can do um, far as, bringing sports to the world because for the longest time you, you, you as you know you've been talking about it you've been trying to get boxing matches and all these different sporting events over there because the uae they want to show that you know what their country can do and, and how far they come as a country so i think that you know having uh mma over there is is a one big way they can you know showcase the world what they're capable of doing yeah and i'm not necessarily trying to lump uae into this lot of like other questionable countries look when when wwe and when anthony joshua went to saudi arabia last year i think rightfully people were like should he be taking that money? You know, there's human rights issues. But again, we're at a point now where I don't even know if we can have those conversations. It's like, do you want to fight or not? Do you, you know, like, this is where right. I stand and applaud Dana. I mean, between Fight Island, Rashad, between DC, Steep 3 uh, between all of the other fight cards I'm about to announce in a second, um, we're going to have, like, a loaded, like, not, like, a good summer. We're going to have, like, a great summer. And, like, there is, like... You know, had UFC kind of punted a little bit more on some of this stuff, I could understand it. They're bringing it. So, Rashad, how do you like this for a July 15th fight night card from Fight Island? So, four days after that monster pay-per-view, it'll be a Wednesday night card. Main event, 
Calvin Cater, Dan Ige mm. uh, at mm. featherweight. Uh, yeah, yeah, give me that. Give me some of that, right? Cater, Ige stepping up. Okay. Yeah, Ige fresh off that tight win over Barbosa. That's a banger. Uh, how about that fight originally scheduled for San Diego? Oh, no, we're getting it soon. It is Dan Hooker, and it is Dustin Poirier. Uh, Rashad, oh, wow. Like a paper wow. Main event, okay? And we're getting it as a fight night coming up. Um, yeah, give me that. Give me some of that, okay? You want more? You want more? How about Junior Dos Santos, Jair Rosenstruck? Oh, wow. I mean, I love me some JDS. Yeah. He may, this may be it. This may be, this may be the end of the road. Shot. We may have to get boys to men, and I'm on, on bended knee here to sing to him because uh, that man's going to be looking for uh, violent revenge. Um, great fights coming. I hope Bellator and company will be uh, picking up as well. Hey, did you see that that uh, press release? One championship put out that they've secured another round of giant millions of investment. So they put out this release. You see Dana White responded on Twitter to it and was like, why the F are these guys announcing it? Yeah. Well, announcing this. And now it is a little bit peculiar to publicly announce like our league just secured even more money. But I, I think timing wise, it's got to be Chatri and those people saying, Hey y'all up there in UFC who are unhappy with your payment. We got, we got plenty of, we got plenty of stacks over here. So it's probably right, not- that's, that's, that's exactly what that is. That's just calling whatever free agents and, and, and call out the market. I mean, for, for, because there, there's a lot of fighters and, and you've seen, you know, I've been watching uh, online, you know, a lot of fighters starting to voice their, uh, their feelings on, you know, how things were handled in the past fighters pay and uh, they're all, you know, tying up to what's going on right now. So fighters are starting to, to speak about it. And I think that definitely they're, um, you know, one is, is definitely putting that out there, that seed out there to be like, Hey guys, you're not happy there come over here yeah, call call eddie alvarez see if he's happy call demetrius johnson they right. seem very seem happy, very happy. Uh, this is a natural transition to sort of an extension of last week's topic about fighter pay you know unionizing all that stuff uh, did you happen to see the dana white first take interview that got a lot of buzz when uh i believe it was dominique foxworth the F- ex-nfl player was really pushing dana to get answers about unions and unhappy fighters and dana was sort of you know deflecting whatever all that um, I think that's important, but how about an answer from Dana when you're undergoing a week's worth of headlines of unhappy fighter, unhappy fighter retirement, unions, unhappy fighter, and you come back with UFC 251 with three title fights, and oh, by the way, Andraj Namajunas 2 and Paige Van Zandt, Amanda Hebus. I mean, that's like, that really is the best answer. You know, that's the best PR movie yeah. you can do. You don't want to fight? Well, how about these fights? Because there is that as much as I do side with the fighters overall, like if somebody, if there's a win and a loss, I think the fighters are losing. They need to start winning. Um, this does open the door. If you want to be opportunistic, if you want to be a Gilbert Burns, who is going to get this opportunity now because he's been busy and he's like, let's do it, you know, and he's hot right now. Uh, you know, it's a, that's always been the case in UFC. If you're willing to work, if you're willing to bang, if you're willing to turn it around on short notice. They will reward you. It seems more than ever now. Um, couple guys are probably going to get their chance to become famous because they're not saying um i refuse to fight for less because they're saying give me the opportunity and yeah it's the free market Rashad, right i mean that's what it is like. i mean l- listen as as a fighter i sympathize with those guys who, who want to get paid more i mean you know i always knew uh once i got done from fighting you know it'd be like those those football players you know who, who's starting to hear about the football players after they're done and starting to make all this money. I knew that would be me. And, and, and I'm okay with that because I know 
it's what's needed for the fighters. My only thing right now is, is the fact that, you know, we don't know where we're going to be at, where, where we're at on economic level. And, and I think that, um, I think right now the timing of it all it is not the best timing when it works for fighters as far as negotiating, uh, you know, where, you know, being able to fight because at the same time, uh, they, the UFC only has a certain number of fighters because of the way that things are with the whole traveling restrictions. But at the same time, they're really the only show that's been proven to, you know, consistently being able to uh, bring in the numbers. So they, they, they have a, they have a leverage point of view, you know, and, and, and as Dana said, I heard him say it in many interviews, you know, he, he's at the point where he's just trying to put on fights because I honestly believe they don't know when, you know, if, if it's going to stop. And they're trying to roll out as many as they can right now before they have to stop down again. So like I was saying in the beginning of the show, if you want to be a part of that and just get as much as you can right now, then I think that may be the best move because we honestly do not know what tomorrow's bring when tomorrow's bringing and you look at the world it is as if the world is economically shutting down and you have to be blind to not consider that you know yeah no doubt about it it's it's it, look it's a great it's a giant gray area i think there are long term financial problems that need to be solved but in the short term it may be right message, wrong time. And that brings us to Jorge Masvidal, Rashad. Since we last met and talked, uh, Ariel Hawani of ESPN reported that before Usman against Gilbert Burns was announced, that they went UFC went back to the well to Masvidal and said, okay, we offered you half what you made against Nate Diaz to fight Usman. You turn it down. Last minute, we will give you the full amount that you got against Nate Diaz to take Usman in Saudi, maybe, I'm sorry, not Saudi, uh, UAE. Maybe that's because of an uh, increased site fee, gave him more cash flow, or maybe they're just like, we can't hardball him anymore. Masvidal reportedly turned it down and then went on another long Twitter rampage. And part of that, he's now calling the UFC announcers, people like Daniel Cormier, Michael Bisping, ex-fighters, quote unquote white knights and says they shouldn't be embarrassed to be working for the UFC and calling themselves former fighters and criticizing in essence his decision making right now who's right here Rashad I feel I feel where Jorge is coming from I feel where he's coming from in the respect the fact that all those fighters have to stay together and and and, um, that's the only way we're going to get what we need to get as fighters And and I understand that sentiment but, but it just, it goes back to, you know, what we're saying, you know, is, is this the right time? And, and is there ever going to be a right time? But here's the thing about it. There may never be a right time, but this time may definitely not be the right time just because there, there may not, there's nothing, there may not be nothing there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and um, I can understand the point of view of DC and, and Paul Felder and those guys who, who understand the fragility of of this whole entire situation and i feel like that's maybe that maybe not what uh a lot of the fighters understand uh, just how fragile this whole um ability that we have to compete is you know because at the end of the day um it may just be hanging on by by a thread and just by a couple moves and a couple beat moves uh deals being able to be pulled off but at the end of the day it's still nothing guaranteed and um I feel like with Jorge, I feel he's definitely right and he definitely has position, but I feel it is is he might, you know, cut his nose off to spite his face 
and, and, and the fact that, you know, he's coming from that good year where he was, you know, uh, trending as the most popular fighter. Now he may be trending on the other way. And if you have the promotion on your bad side, then they can make you and they can break you. They like can. And you heard Dana give the ultimate FU when he said, wow, Jorge's starting to sound like a Diaz brother to me. And uh, I think in, in, in whatever you want to take from that, I think it's Dana being like, uh, if we put you in that Diaz brother category, uh, we are fine with you sitting out two years and not making any money and wasting your career. I mean, look, the promotion still has the power, but you're still only at your most valuable after you win, like right after you win, right? You know what I mean? That's yeah. when you have the leverage. So I do get the other side, which is what you're saying, where people are like, okay, Jorge, this is fine. Go in there and win and then be like what you got, you know? And I, I, and I, also, and I also feel like this too. I feel like Jorge may have – got a little ahead of himself meaning the fact that he did have negotiating power being 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 the fact that he got popular off that bmf championship but at the end of the day that bmf belt is not a belt you know what i'm saying like like he's he's negotiating as if like uh he's as if he's already a made man when you're like you got to be the champion to become a made man right and I get what he's saying. Look, I've been doing it 16 years. I've been doing it longer than any of these retired announcers were. And, I mean, look, there's good points on both sides. Uh, a lot of internet talk, and we know Dana doesn't like that. You are, and all the other guys that were standing here today are terrified of the internet. I'm not. I'm not afraid of the internet. It's a place where cowards live. Okay, thank you, Dana. I live on the internet, just so you know, Dana. All right. In uh, extension of that, Rashad, uh, apparently it's shit on Joe Silva season oh. because as folks like Gray Maynard, I think rightfully have taken their stance on Twitter and said, look, fighter pays an issue. Here's my history. Here's my history of UFC not rewarding me for fight of the nights and championship opportunities. Here's my history of Joe Silva sticking it to me. And that has led to a chain reaction of Eddie Alvarez of on and on of people being like, Joe Silva's one of the slimiest humans ever. He holds grudges. He treats us like me, et cetera, et cetera. Rashad, can you weigh in on your experience with the legendary matchmaker who now people are saying uh, we've been fooled as a public to believe that he's beloved by everybody when maybe that might not be true. Is it a couple angry men on, on the internet? What's going on here? Now, there, there's a lot of uh, – well, I, I've heard of a lot of dissent for Joe Silva. I mean, you know, J- Joe, Joe was tough for the longest time. Uh, him and I have got into it. Um, but uh, despite us always getting into it – or not always getting into it, have us having got into it, um, I was always able to, 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 to be able to speak to him. You know what I'm saying? Like I was always able to, to – I always felt as if like no matter what we got into, like I felt like we were able to still have a conversation and move forward beyond that you know um i mean look he, he joe joe Silva was was a little dude you know what i'm saying and when you're a little dude and you have to and you and, and you're uh in the position that he's in you know there there is a bit of that, that that posture and stuff like that so i can definitely see how he came across and people do not have the best stories about him um the truth of the matter is it was a it was a cutthroat business back then it oh, was yeah. very cutthroat business and uh and, and, and Joe and Joe Silva was, was the hitman, you know. He was and, the throat slicer, yes. Yeah, he, he was. Stories, the it's not just low balling. It's like, you know, if you don't if you don't look exciting, 
in this next fight. If you don't fight the way we want you to, you're gone. You know, there was a lot of yeah, that. I mean, look, was... I understand when a John Fitch comes out and says it, and you're like, okay, they never loved his style despite winning a lot. They always were, you know, he says Joe Silva told him to his face, we can't wait for you to lose so we can cut you. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I guess I, mean, I, 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 had, I had a Joe Silva situation happen. Like uh, one time um, I had like three opponent changes and, and like after the third one, which was like, uh, like two weeks before the fight that I was supposed to have with the guy for the second time. I mean, it was a, it was a third op- opponent change and it was two weeks before I was supposed to fight the opponent that I had booked for the second and uh, when I when I was like, oh, man, I gotta fight another guy. I just trained all this time to to uh, to get this guy down. Now I got Now I got two weeks to try to get this guy down. I'm like, dude, I, I can't do it. You know, I, I was like, I, I can't do it. And then uh, we got into it. You know, uh, because of the, I I, uh, I said I didn't I, I didn't want to do it. You know, and uh, you know he 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 was like. Uh, he was saying like, like he called out my heart, like oh, he, he, yeah, he called out my heart. Hey, no, and then not we, the guy taking punches right and now. Then, and then he, and then we got into it, and then we got into it off of that. And then he was like, "Well, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna talk to Dana about this." And I was like, "Well, all right, talk to Dana about it." And I thought at that point, I thought we, I was gonna get in trouble or get fired, but we ended up finding a way to work it out. But um, yeah, in the beginning, I, I did, I did get into it, and that's why. I felt like um, I was labeled as kind of difficult at times because of the fact that I would I would go head to head with them. And I'm the right. Show. We actually I reached out to the UFC. We have footage of that conversation privately between you and Joe Silva. You're going to do what I want you to do, and that's just the bottom line. And the sooner you come to realize it, the more comfortable be with the results. Yeah, you sent them to hell. That is what it is. Uh, speaking of being sent to hell, we all know uh, Bob Arum's history of dislike for Dana White for the sport of MMA. UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching people in the ring who are also look like skinhead white guys. And, you know, uh, Bob was asked just this year about that old comment. It's a great, great sport. I love that mixed martial arts. I know. I think it's trash. Well, you know, uh, Dana and Uncle Bob are odd bedfellows at ESPN these days, but uh, I don't know if you saw the ratings bomb last week when uh, Top Rank came out with a Tuesday night and a Thursday night card. Bad matchups. They got on live on ESPN, they got like 300,000 viewers. They asked Dana about that, and uh, he didn't He didn't uh, hold back here, Rashad. I want to see boxing pull bigger numbers. I'm not Bob Air. I'm that crusty dick. All right, yeah. So, yeah, he went on to just continue to uh, send those numbers to hell. Uh, congratulations out to Misha Tate, Rashad, of one championship fame, former Strike Force and UFC champion on the birth of her second child. Wow. Great to see. Any Misha Tate stories from your lifetime? No, no Misha Tate stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that, Rashad. All right, great. Um, yes, uh, the other big news of the week is Amanda Nunes. Uh, Rashad, the, the queen, the two-division champion, fresh off that dominant victory over Felicia Spencer. I kind of felt like this was going to happen, Rashad. She gave an interview to a Brazilian outlet in which she said she's contemplating retirement. She already said she won't fight for the rest of this year as Nina plans to give birth to their first child. Her quote was, I don't know. I've achieved everything I wanted. 
I'm well. I can go on with my life. Maybe take a new step. Maybe find new talents. Help some girls get there. Maybe a coach. Uh, Dana White was asked about it. He says Amanda doesn't get the respect that she deserves. Uh, Here's what's interesting, Rashad. The timing. I don't believe that she's getting in line and joining the group of the John Jones and Jorge Masvidal's who are angry, the Cejudos and McGregor's who are sort of timing retirement announcements for the sake of financial leverage, potentially. I think there's just an honest person saying, I've accomplished everything. There's nobody left to fight. I'm starting a family. You know, I got money. I have opportunities. Uh, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Um, it comes at a bad time because even though they're reshuffling the deck nicely with the cards this summer, you can only lose so many big stars, Rashad, at one time. I mean, you could argue just as well that both those divisions yeah. need new life, need you know a, a, a new uh, person on top to breed new competition. But Amanda is the face of women's MMA. And if she goes away too, yeah, yeah, right? Well, I think that Amanda, if she went away, it would be less of a sting than it would be for any, anybody else. And I say that because of the fact that she doesn't have the competition to, to warrant the attention that she would get as far, you know, when she performs. So, you know, like some, some, like in the last two fights, like, uh, like uh, her last fight, it, it was a, it was a good fight with Felicia, but at the same time, you, you just didn't see the, the, the equal level and you didn't believe it was going to be equal level at all. So, that's not going to get a lot of attention. And I can understand where Amanda's coming from because when, when you're in a position where you've achieved everything that she's achieved, then it kind of, it, it dulls that hunger because what makes you compete the way you compete is the fact that you want to prove something, right? And when you no longer have something to prove, then it kind of dulls that, that edge that you have. So at the same point, if she's starting to say this and starting to feel like this more consistently, then it's just a matter of time before a performance starts slipping because it's hard to be at that high level if you're not feeling it. You know what I'm saying? And if she's feeling like this, then she needs to make a decision because while she's feeling like this, if she's not making a decision, everyone else is picking up on her language is like, this is my opportunity. This yeah. Is my right, yeah. The, the, you can smell the blood there. Um, so if she goes, you know, there's the bad that, you really can't put a title fight in either of those divisions in a main event. I mean, you know, you don't just have the star power, but it does open the opportunity for someone to, to slowly become a star or to have the potential for more competitive matchups. Uh, you know, there is a good and bad in that. Uh, manager of the stars, though, Ali Abdelaziz responded publicly of this and said that Conor McGregor deserves some flack for stealing Amanda's moment at UFC 250 with that oddly timed retirement saying, quote, Amanda had such an amazing dominant performance and Connor chose to steal her moment. It just shows what kind of person he is. Just wait till Monday. But he knows he's jealous. He wants people to talk about him. Yeah, whatever on that. Uh, I, I don't think you're wrong, Ali, actually, by the way. But uh, uh, the interesting thing is Dana mentioned to TMZ again this week that they have had talks with Clarissa Shields, the boxing champion, and he doesn't know what weight, what sport it would be, but he is a little bit sick of sending his fighters to boxing and might want the equivalent. The problem, Rashad, is, um, I mean, you know, it's not like Chris Shields could just jump in and be competitive with Amanda Nunes. So, uh, yeah, maybe Amanda should go away. There, there's no fight there, Rashad, unless she wants to go try boxing yeah, and take a couple of warm-up fights. You know, there's no fight there. It isn't, you know? No, nah, she, and she's miles ahead of everybody else when it comes to – to talent and skill. So 
it, it does get boring, you know, and she's expanding, she's getting new opportunities, uh, becoming a new mom, very exciting and, and all those, and all those things. So, you know, when your life starts opening up and start to materialize in other areas, then, you know, fighting start to find its place. Like for the longest time, I used to have a thing where I knew it was time for me to retire. I would say at one point, fighting was the most important thing. And I knew it was time to retire when fighting was no longer the most important thing. That's right. You know, and I think that's where Amanda's at. Like she's starting to see where, you know, fighting is no longer the most important thing. And a lot of people, uh, each fighter to, that happens differently, huh? A lot of people listening to this go and wondering, okay, Rashad, if uh, fighting is no longer the important thing in your life, what is? Well, we got it right here. It's a simple concept. Bitches and cigarettes. Everybody's happy. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Well done, Rashad. Um, all right. Uh, the only other bit of news is we have this. We know we have this great killer idea for a fun super fight. Hey, let's keep Connor busy against Andy Silva. But the spider got shot down by Dana. Oh, come on, Anderson. I say, come on, Dana. Come on. Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. And Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that whole weird conversation happened again when Anthony Pettis joined the Anderson Silva sweepstakes, and they talked about doing a fun meet-me-in-the-middle fight in which I love the crap out of Dana dismissed it right away. Rashad, why do they not have any friggin' clue how to promote an aging legend like Anderson Silva, okay? The Adesanya fight, by the way, great matchmaking. Great matchmaking. Do you know what's not great matchmaking? Silva against Derek Brunson. Silva against Jared Cannonier. Fights that would go nowhere. Fights that have no meaning. He's 45. He's not going back to the title. Um, and let, you know, let's do the Nate Diaz types. Let's do Anthony Pettis. Let's do all these. You're going to take him for his name, for the fact that he still loves the sport, that he still wants to do this. So you want to put him in a fight in which he can have some kind of inherent advantage. In this case, it would be size over guys like a Pettis or McGregor. Why is this so hard? Why would Dana crap on that? Isn't that like a fun, quirky co-main event on a pay-per-view? I mean, that's how you draw fans. That's how you do it, Rashad. What the hell's wrong with this? It is fun. It is quirky. But at the same time, you have to understand the UFC's model. You know, the UFC model is not to build the older fighter where he wants to keep on winning. And keep, if he wins, he stays and fights longer because that guy at that pay is somebody that you don't want to have anymore because he's still taking a lot of your, uh, your, your salary up. And he's in, largely ineffective when it comes to competing at the level you want to compete at. So at the same time, you want to get a guy like that against someone where you can use them as a springboard. And I think that's where they tried to use. And that's why the Cannoneers and the Derek Brunson, because those are the springboard matches for those other fighters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I think, yeah, so I think, I think if, if they were to put something like that on, it would be maybe something like, you know, like, you know how they gave Dan Henderson that one before his last one, you know what I'm saying? It was something where they knew Hector Lombard right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, he, UFC 199, he viciously finished Hector Lombard. Remember those elbows? It was like gang style. It was like that. I mean, where the hell did that come from? I mean, that was yeah. just vicious-ish. I don't know. I like me some fun circus super fights, but that's just me. Uh, Rashad, that's the show for this week. We'll be back later in the week setting the stage for Saturday's card headline by Curtis Blades. Uh, I'm saying Alexander Volkov. That's the guy's name, right? Why do I feel like I'm saying that wrong? That's the guy's name, right? 
it feels like it should be more right Volkanovsky, but because that's yeah, why you want to yeah. say Volkanovsky. You want to say Volkanovsky. That's, that's why. Fresh on my tongue there. Uh, also, a chat with Curtis Blades. Uh, Rashad, you've been watching anything good lately? You see that uh, Sosa McGuire doc on ESPN? They were like decided not to mention steroids in it at all. I mean, that was no, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I mean, like but, you know, for, but listen, listen, that right there. It, it, that brought back baseball. That brought back baseball. And they want to get on and talk about the steroid use and whatnot. But had those guys not been jacked on it, then baseball would have never been brought back. But damn I right. digress. You're damn right. I just wish they would, you know, I mean, they, they didn't do the Lance Armstrong documentary without bringing up drugs, right? I mean, that was right, a whole right. movie. So uh, just be That's honest true. here. Yeah, I be, fair. be fair. Be <laughs> yeah, fair. I was eating handfuls of that ish. Yeah, I was spreading it, the cream and the clear on my toast. Just be honest about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rashad, I never thought I'd get to this crusty point where i just say take whatever you want but i'm you know maybe 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 that's me progressing as an adult right i had my years where i was like now everybody should play by the rules and do what i say no take what you want dude take what you want right i don't care i feel you i feel you because at the end of the day it's all about these fighters being able to recover and do it again i i, I can i can understand it yeah, thank you. It. So, so uh, just say yes is what Rashad Evans and I are. <laughs> very, very All right. Uh, that is it. Follow us at State of Combat at Rashad Sugar, Rashad Evans on all of your social media platforms. Uh, what are you on? Twitter, Instagram? You don't like messing with IG. TikTok or anything, right? Nah, no TikTok. Oh, that's, no. that's too advanced for me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not with all those moves. I can't, I can't pop it like that, BC. <laughs> no Snapchat or uh, uh match.com it's, or way, it's way too much no, it's way too much for me way too much all right uh rashad do you have any anywhere we can see you soon you're going to be uh do you have a comedy set coming up at the uh at caroline's uh in the comedy store anywhere what do you got what do, what's your future no nah, right, I mean, right now this is it man this is it right now I, I got uh nothing coming up waiting to see uh what's going to be going on in the future but right now i'm, I'm just training in the gym i was actually going to go out to uh Denver to help Usman get ready for uh, for his fight coming up. So is Gilbert going to stay in hard knocks? That's that's yeah, Gil- Gilbert's going to stay in hard knocks, and Usman is is going to be in Denver training with uh, Whitman and uh, Gaethje. Oh wow, that is going to be fun! Wow. But here's but here's the thing, BC. Here's the thing. They were able to sit down before uh, you know uh, before uh, the fight started and everything the preparation started and they were able to have a conversation and start off on a respectful note that's great you know? so that that's what it's all about you know what i'm saying and and they were able to shake hands and even kamara was even at the gym training at hard knocks uh you know while, while gibbert was there so they they, they they still have that that uh that teammate and they still have that respect for each other so that that's the good thing about it you know i was worried about that uh coming from where i was coming from with the john jones situation it was a nightmarish situation repeating itself again and i had anxiety for Usman, but uh it, it looks as if like they found in the middle ground and it won't be like how it was no more dick No, no, no more, no more, no dicks allowed. All right, Rashad Evans for BC for the State of Combat podcast. We leave you now with two words for the people. Yeah.